0: Welcome to the West Point Sermon Podcast. This is your place for audio for past and future messages. Video versions of this podcast are available at the link in the podcast description. Be sure to subscribe so you get updates when new sermons are posted. Thanks so much for listening. And Sam, we want you to have as much time as you need. If the children's workers get angry at me, then I'll just blame you. So we are happy to have you with us this morning, Sam, and we're excited for what God has put in your heart. Would you come at this time and give a warm welcome to him this morning? Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I really want to know at what level do the children's workers throw me out? Is it ten ten? I mean, is it eleven ten, eleven fifteen?
0: Eleven twenty.
1: Does everybody vote with the pastor? Thank you for letting me come this morning. Thank you for letting me come and share with all of you. Phenomenal stuff. But I would advise, before you go back next time, that you definitely get married. Great stuff. We in America do not experience demon possession as you do in many countries around the world. Here it is manifested in different ways, I'm convinced. And our country today is in great peril because of demonic powers. It does not demonstrate itself the same way in America as it does in many countries through individuals, but thank God for the experiences that you had and the deliverance of these people because the power of the enemy is real, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm, Privileged this morning to be here to share with all of you what God is continuing to do around the world. I'm convinced today that God has brought to you in this church one of the key young leaders of our fellowship. Paul and his wife are very special people, and I'm just privileged to be their friend. Thank you for letting me come this morning. God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, I'm not sure how it all happened, but is it possible that God the Father called God the Son into the office? And God the Father said to Jesus, The world needs a Savior. I'm going to send you down to the earth to become the Savior. So we pick up the story in Bethlehem. Jesus is born of a virgin. Joseph took her to be his wife. And for the next 30 years, they lived in Nazareth where his father is a master carpenter. There they are building condominiums and apartment buildings and strip malls. And Jesus becomes a part of that family. But at the age of 30, Jesus began his ministry. Now, watch this closely. Jesus began his ministry at the age of 30. Jesus has come to be the Savior of the world. There were no iPhones. There were no Samsung phones burning up. There were no jet planes, there was no internet, there was nothing, just a donkey and a camel, and Jesus has come to be the savior to the world. How's he gonna tell the world, hello, here I am? A great question, and here's the great answer. Jesus called to himself 12 disciples. They came from a variety of backgrounds. One was more educated than the other. And they came to follow Jesus, and in the process, Jesus formed the first Bible school of the Assemblies of God. They had a three-year program. They did not have a resident campus. So where Jesus went, they went. He taught them from the prophets. He taught them from his own life. He taught them how to pray. He taught them from the miraculous. And he taught them that he had come to be the Savior of the world. They lived 2,000 years ago in the Roman rule, which was as cruel then as ISIS is today. The Romans would cut your head off without question. They would burn people alive. They would put them in hot tubs of oil and burn them to death. Crucify them upside down. Heartless people. And they were hoping and praying that Jesus was going to become the new ruler of the world. And these 12 disciples would become members of his cabinet. You can see Simon Peter. He's practicing with a sword. He's going to become the secretary of defense, no doubt. Then there was John the Baptist who would probably become the secretary of state. Everybody want to get in the picture? Get on this side of the table. Each one of these fellows were jockeying for their own positions. But Jesus did not come to be the ruler of the world. He came to be the savior of the world. He understood his mission, though they did not. In the end, Judas betrayed him and sold him for a bag of silver. Peter said, I never heard of him. I never, no, no. They said, no, no, no. uh, Three times. Three times. Peter denied Jesus Christ, but Jesus knew why he came. He came to be the Savior of the world, and the only way he could save us from the sins was to shed his precious blood on the cross of Calvary. He allowed them to take him. They planted a crown of thorns on his brow. They pierced his side. They beat him like a piece of meat. They hung him between two thieves, but there on the cross of Calvary, he said these amazing things. I have finished it all. It is paid for, hallelujah, because he knew why he came. Your sins and mine have been paid for as we sung this morning on the cross of Calvary. They took him off the cross and they put him in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, Peter no longer could handle the anguish. He had betrayed his dear friend. He loved Jesus. But in the crisis of the moment, he had betrayed Jesus. Where did they put him? And he went looking for him, and he found him sitting outside of the borrowed tomb. Their eyes fastened on each other, and Jesus said to Peter, go and find the others. Peter knew where they were. He found the other ten, brought them to Jesus, and Jesus said, now here's the plan. I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to be filled with the promise of the that the that the Father has for you, you're going to have supernatural strength. And things that I did, you will do greater things than these. And as he was talking to them, he was caught up from among them. He disappeared in the air. The angels came, and they said, this same Jesus that you see leaving is coming back. And I have more good news for you this morning. He is coming back, brothers and sisters, not only as a savior of the world, but this time as the ruler of the world. For a thousand years, hallelujah, for a thousand years and beyond, he will rule and he will reign. On the way to Jerusalem, they became evangelists. Now, instead of 11, there's 120. They got to Jerusalem and they rented a second floor apartment by the day. We call it the upper room we know the story they didn't know what was going to happen they gathered together they took care of some business for the first day or two and they began to wait for the promise of the Father they were sitting as you are sitting this morning three days four days five days six days waiting and waiting and praying and interceding and the seventh day seventh day eighth day ninth day but on the tenth day sitting as we as you all are the Holy Spirit descended and impregnated each one of them with the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit as an expression of this as they begin to speak in a language that they had never learned before. We call it other tongues. And they expressed to them in a very loud and boisterous way the power of God coursing through them. It was feast time in Jerusalem and people had gathered in from the surrounding areas and they heard these people, now Pentecostal, speaking in their own languages and they were fascinated by all of this. Peter heard them mumbling among themselves and so he gathered together, he gathered together all of the people and he began to preach to them. Now being a good Pentecostal preacher, he preached and preached and preached and preached and preached children <laughs> notwithstanding. And when he finished speaking, 3,000 gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. And if you come with me this morning, ladies and gentlemen, I'll put you in business class and take you around the world. And I will show you today one billion, Pentecostal, I will show you one billion people who believe in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. How is that possible? Possible because Jesus invested his life in the lives of 11 faithful men. It's not a mystery, ladies and gentlemen. It's 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 not rocket science. It's just a simple strategy that God gave to us 2,000 years ago, and that was to train men and women to go out and start churches that then sent people back to become trained who went out and started churches. And that's why around the world today, there's a billion people who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. That's why the Assemblies of God, this great fellowship this, this church belongs to, leads all denominations in the establishment of Bible schools around the world. Our forefathers went out, and that's exactly what they did. Country after country after country, they established training schools. Some of them were not too fancy. Some of them were not maybe even, they were, but, but they were effective. And today, there are multiple, multiple, multiple millions of believers who call them Assemblies of God. That's not important, ladies and gentlemen. What is important? is that god is doing his work today around the world because of the strategy that jesus christ gave to us so when joyce and i in 1966 after going to north central bible college serving churches in iowa felt the call of god it was time as a boy i had grown up in my father's church i'd heard missionaries all of my life and i believed god wanted me as a boy to follow him in the worldwide service. So now it was time, now it was time in 66. So we went to the leaders of our fellowship and I said, I think God wants us to go to to Europe. Is there a special country where you need a missionary? Oh, they said, yes, we need you in Spain. I said, really, Spain, wow. My geography was never very good and so I had to look on a map and found it. Sure enough, it is in Europe, Spain, there it is. Not beside Guatemala and Honduras, but it is in Europe, southern Europe. And they said, we want you to go to the book entitled Let Europe Hear. Every chapter in the book was written about a different country in Europe. When I came to the chapter on Spain, it was entitled Giants of the Land. Because in 1966, you couldn't do anything in Spain to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. That's how much my leaders thought of me. You could not do anything. There was no religious freedom. General Franco came to power in 1939. 36 to 39, there was a great civil war in Spain that claimed a million lives. General Franco came to power, clamped total control on the country, and his religion was the religion of the people and nothing else. And I was gonna go to Spain and share the good news of Jesus Christ, and my religion was not his religion. So what am I going to do? do? I'll tell you what I did. God took me to the book of Joshua. And it says in chapter one, verse one, Moses is dead. There's a certain finality to that. Moses is dead. Now, Joshua, I want you to take the people that I have brought out of the land of Egypt. I want you to take them, and I want you to cross the River Jordan. I want you to go in and possess possess the land. And every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I prayed to God, if you will make me the same promise that you made to Joshua, I'll go to Spain and face all of the giants, the things that you cannot do. You couldn't preach, you couldn't marry, you couldn't bear, you couldn't pass off tracts. It was nothing, 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 nothing. But I said, I will go. But I need to have a giant killer because there's giants in the land. And he said, I'm your giant killer. For with me, all things are possible to him that believeth. Praise God. I began to travel across America, much like my son Matt here came here several months ago and spoke to you. And I said, we're going to Spain. Could you help us? Could you help us? Could you help us? Could you help us? And people responded. And one day, some months later, somebody sent me the front page of the New York Times, that great bastion of conservatism. And the New York Times, this is what the article read. General Franco declares religious freedom. Wow. There's a chink in the army. Praise God. We hung on to that, and we believed God would help us as we went to Spain. It wasn't quite as easy as we thought it might be, but God was opening up the door. And I knew when I arrived there that the key for me was not to start another church. be There were only five churches There were only five churches underground, only five. That was not what God wanted me to do. God wanted me to find one person or two or three or four or five that I could help and I could train and that I could disciple. And that's why we helped to start the first Bible school in the southern part of Spain. And God gave to us five graduates out of the five students. They were all, they were all fabulous, and they all just, they all, and they went out and they started churches, and they came back and sent students back to the Bible school, and they went out and started churches, and they, and now 45 years later, 40, whatever it is, and I know you're looking at me this morning, 66, 76, 86, 96, how can it be such a young man who's lived all of that life, and he looks so good, and the answer is, oil of olay, get it on, get it on her. For some of you, it may not be any hope, but you can always try. I believed, as God took me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I believe God. I believe that God would help us. And today, if you'll come with me to Spain, I will show you hundreds of Pentecostal places of worship. Where they were not before, they have sprung up, ladies and gentlemen, from the leadership schools that have been established across the country of Spain. Therein lies the secret, not a secret, but there lies the strategy of what God is wanting us to do around the world. And so while I was in Spain for those five years, I got a call. Could you please come to Portugal? Now, Portugal and Spain make up the Iberian Peninsula, which comes off of France. So I went to Portugal, and this is what I discovered. In the Lisbon Church in Portugal, at that time a city of a million people, in the Lisbon Church, there were 60 congregations of one church, 60 congregations, and there were three full-time pastors it was unbelievable these guys are going Sunday morning Sunday afternoon Sunday night Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday morning Sunday afternoon. it was it was and so every time I went and they were kind enough to invite me back several times and they every time they said would you please pray for workers pray for workers pray for workers and so I'm praying oh God please send workers send workers send workers send workers One day, God spoke to me and said, what the people in Portugal need is a training center. They need a Bible school. I said, yes, that's what they need. So I went back and I talked to the Portuguese executives, and I said, you need to have a training center. You need to have a, don't get hung up on it, but you need to have, and they said, that's wonderful. Yes, what a great idea. And we want you to come from Spain and build and direct it for us. I said, "Oh no, I could never do that." In fact, I had teachers at North Central who had agreed with me. <laughs> it's a four-year program, as you know. I was there five years. They loved me so much, and and I and I and I just I just knew no 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 no. But one day, God said, "Sam, I want you to do it," and I said, "I'll do it." Now we had three babies, two. Two were born in Spain, must have been the water, and, and we, we came home to America, found a place where Joyce and the kids could live when I began to travel, and I traveled across America. I slept on my own bed 60 nights out of a year and a half. I went and I went and I went, I said, we're going to build a Bible school in Portugal. I'm going to build a Bible school because faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence is not seen. I hope for it. I believe that God would help us, and so we traveled and traveled, and people responded, and people gave, and people helped us. And, and, I, and at the end of a year and a half, I went and I picked up my three kids. Wow, they had grown. And my wife, and off to Portugal we flew. And the day after I got to Portugal, on the screen you will see what we found. A 30-acre farm at the edge of Lisbon that had been waiting for us to come along and to purchase because faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence, but now I want you to see the evidence. You hope for it, you believe for it, but take a look at the evidence. That's what God helped us to do in the next nine years. I never stopped building for nine years. We built and we built and we built. We built classrooms and auditoriums and dining rooms. They love to eat. We built a chapel for 1,500, built and built and built. It's a beautiful campus of 30 acres today, valued at multiple millions of dollars, but that's not what's important. What is important is that today the Assemblies of God in Portugal is the number one Pentecostal and and, and, and evangelical body of believers. Possible only because of the training school where now thousands of students in the last 45 years have attended. Therein lies the key ladies and gentlemen. So God gave us this great opportunity to to to, to be in a, in a bit of a bit of a this was this was just this is God proved to me what I knew and just helped me to cement it in my own life. So in 1989 when communism fell across Eastern Europe the Soviet Union fell apart. We were one of the first to get into the country of Romania, Romania, <laughs> Romania, 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 Romania where Ceaușescu was the dictator. Ceaușescu was the most brutal of all dictators since Hitler. He had 300,000 children in his, in his horrible and despicable, uh, uh, they weren't even schools. He left the country in devastation, economically, politically, because on, on Christmas Day, 1989, they captured him. He and his wife on public television, they put a pistol to his head and they pulled the trigger. Blew his brains out. And after that, democracy began to settle and freedom began to come to, uh, to Romania. And we were one of the first to get into the capital city of Bucharest. And there with the, with the Romanian leadership, we were able to buy five acres of land. What we bought, you see on the screen this morning, a decrepit commie building. Oh, it's a piece of junk. And, but it was a long piece of junk. And so we took that, we took that, and we began, because faith is a substance of things. We believe that God needed to have a Bible school in Romania to help train young men and women to go out and start churches. And I want you now to see the evidence, because faith does not leave us alone without the evidence. This is the evidence, ladies and gentlemen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen so God helped us in today in the country of Romania there are 3,000 strong Pentecostal churches for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ let me try it over here 3,000 strong praise God So so we have never, we have never in the last number of years, we have never just worked on one project at a time. Right now we're working on five or six of them, aren't we, Paul? And so, so, so why was there working on all of this? Because this, this didn't just, this didn't, no, 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 no. I remember before we dedicated in the picture that you see, I made one trip every month for five months. I mean, you're just, your faith without works is dead. You've got to work at it. It isn't just, no, 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 no. just, so while I'm there, I got this call from the Republic of Georgia, Georgia. Now, Georgia is that country that lies south of Russia. I'm not talking about Atlanta. I'm talking about the Republic of Georgia, south of the country of Russia, where Putin is the guy. Now, Putin is not a happy man. He's not a happy man at all. And I'm not sure I would be happy if my name was Putin. But, but you know he, no, he's not, he's not. And so when he lost Georgia, he tried to take some of it back, much like he did recently with Ukraine. That's the mentality of this man. And, But we knew that Georgia, now liberated from the throes of communism, needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was but a handful of believers, just a handful of believers, a handful of believers. But in in that vacuum, we were able to send a marvelous missionary. His name was Greg Jenkins. Greg Jenkins invited three of us to come from America to see if we could help him. So we landed in the city of Tbilisi, the capital city of the Republic of Georgia. And when we arrived, he cleverly, really a clever dude, he had already gone to the architect and he had on his desk the architect's mock-up of what a Bible school would look like in Georgia. There he had, you know how architects, they had these little buildings and they have these little trees and they have these little cars with the little tiny people in the little cars that walk among the trees. And so there it all was, there it all was right there on top of his desk, I saw there's the men's dorm, the women's dorm, there's the chapel. It's all right there, right there. Wow, I looked at all of this, and I asked him the question that gets me into trouble many times. What will this cost? He said A mil-, He said $750,000. I was thinking, Paul, maybe we could help him with $50,000. You know, we were super generous. We could really do something. $750,000. There were three of us in the room. But the man from the... The man from Oklahoma said, he said, Greg, I'll give you the first quarter of a million dollars. I had never been in a meeting where I received a quarter of a million dollar gift, wow. Well, the man from Indiana was not gonna be put down by the Sooners of Oklahoma, for sure, no, 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 no. no. He said, I'll give you the second quarter of a million dollars, and there were just three of us. I said, i got to find Paul Rizdahl as soon as possible. Or his predecessor. God gave us favor. God gave us favor. We were able to buy, not what we'd hoped to build. It's a long story. I went there with a group of pastors. There were some people who didn't want us there. They beat us up like crazy, sent us to the hospital. The police were on their side. We decided it might not be a good idea to go ahead with that particular plan. And so we went ahead and we bought this old commie building and this now I want you to see the evidence. Take a look at the evidence. It's a beautiful building. What's important on the ground floor? There's an auditorium that seats a thousand people. That's the size of the building. But the buildings. I don't build buildings. I build buildings. But that's not what what I want you to see, ladies and gentlemen, is that today in the Republic of Georgia there are hundreds and hundreds of places of Pentecostal worship because young men and women went there and they were taught and trained and went out and started churches. Came back and they sent others and they came and they went. And that's God's plan. That's the strategy. That's the strategy. So after we had built Bible schools in Western Europe and in Eastern Europe, Poland, Belarus, Siberia, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, across Eastern Europe. We, gave, we were given the excuse me, don't fall off We were given the opportunity we are given the opportunity to go to the continent of Africa. Of course, now Africa has 54 countries, so you're going to have to choose where you're going to go before you get on the plane. So I, I, I had the opportunity of going, first of all, many of you know Doug Lomberg. Doug Lomberg is a Minnesota missionary who went to Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, many, many, many years ago. And he said, Sam, could you come and help us? And I took a missionary trip, a visionary trip. We went to Addis. God gave us favor, did three trips, raised $750,000, built for him a fabulous Bible school in the city of Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, the first country that we went into in today. In the country of Ethiopia, there are 16 million Pentecostal believers. Let me try it over here. I don't. know, I might be the best. But 16 million Pentecostal believers in the country. True. So, so God gave us favor. So we've been working. We've been working now in over 15, 20 countries in Africa. And I just want to touch base with you this morning on a couple of things because the children are waiting for you. Oh my! The children are waiting for you. Oh, can it be? We're all having such a great time. Could we roll the clock back? Could, Go buy some popsicles and give it to the kids. I'm out of time. But I've got to take you to Tanzania. I'm going to take you to Tanzania. Help me up there, my dear. Take me to Tanzania, if you would, please. Because in 06, 2007, 2008, bad stuff economically in the world. There was a church from Alabama that went to Tanzania And they wanted to build a boys' dormitory. This is what I found when I went there six years ago. They started. They had the foundation and a couple of pillars up. But then the economic crisis hit the world, and they were never able to go back. I'm sitting here in Minneapolis where I lived, and I get a phone call from a man by the name of Barnabas. Barnabas. He said, my name is Barnabas. I said, that's a good name. <laughs> Barnabas. No, he said, I'm the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God of Tanzania. I said, wow, Dr. Barnabas, nice to talk to you. Appreciate your call. He said, no, 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 no. I want to come and see you. I said, come along. So he flew to Minneapolis I picked up and took him, put him in a motel. We ate supper together, and here's what God is saying to me. He said, God wants us in Tanzania to start 10, now listen closely, 10,000 new churches in 10 years never done before in the history of the world. 10,000 new churches in 10 years. I said, how are you going to do that? He said, no, it's not how I'm going to do it. It's how you and I are going to do it. I said, okay, how are you and I going to do it? He said, it's very simple. We're going to establish Bible schools and training centers, and we're going to train young men. and women." Because he said, I traveled all over Tanzania, a country, one of the poorest in the world, where 80% of the roads are not paved, one doctor for every 40,000 people. It's unbelievable, ladies and gentlemen. He said, I traveled all over. I preached 185 times. 6,000 young men and women came to the altar and said, we'll plant a church for Jesus Christ. And he said, I need you to come and help me. So when I arrived in Tanzania, that's what I found. But faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And this wonderful church sent your wonderful pastor with me on a vision trip. And now I want you to see what you helped me to build. After he left, he had made a $10,000 commitment that this church completed, and I'm eternally grateful to you, and so are they in Tanzania, and there it is, this incredible Bible school. That's the dormitory. That's the dormitory. That's the dormitory that you helped us. That's a dormitory for two hundred and fifty. And now today ladies and gentlemen I have just returned from Tanzania. I was there 3 weeks ago. We finished building the 6000 seat auditorium. We had 5500 pastors trying to get in there and on the last night 462 candidates were ordained for the good news of Jesus Christ. And this and this and this and this is the and this is the final year. Don't clap so much because I don't have time. This is the final year. This is the fi- Final year. This is the final year of the ten-year plan, and at the end of this year, ten thousand churches will have been started in the country of Tanzania. How is that possible? Possible only because of the training system. Now we've helped them. They have seven Bible schools, fifty-five church planting schools. This is this is this is this is unbelievable. And I just I, I just wish I had so so praise God. The evidence, the evidence, the evidence, whatever you are hoping for this morning, whatever you are believing for this morning, don't leave here just believing. Leave here and take the evidence with you. You don't see it today, but you receive it by faith. That's the key. That's what I want to share with all of you this morning because we continue to believe God to help us, and we receive the evidence by faith. And I'm going to close this morning by taking you with me to Myanmar. We, next month, we will dedicate the incredible, the incredible dormitory complex in Calcutta, India. We've been working on it now for several years, a million-dollar project. It's a beautiful, beautiful concept that God has given to us in the Buntain Theological Seminary. But I want you to come with me right now to Myanmar. Where is Myanmar? Good question. Formerly called Burma, south of China, south of China, south of China. A man from Minneapolis by the name of Ray Trask went there in 1966 as a missionary. I'm sorry, 1960, as a missionary. His brother became the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God, Tom Trask. Ray Trask left here when I was still a student at North Central Bible College in 1960, and he went to Machina, Myanmar, 50 miles south of China. There he established a Bible school on a 25-acre complex, and this is what he built, the boys' dormitory. I'm, I'm I'm at lunch in Bangkok, and across the table from me was an elderly gentleman. I shook his hand. I said, who are you? He said, I'm the first missionary back into Myanmar because in 66, they kicked Ray Trask out. After he started this, they kicked out all the missionaries. They closed the country to the west, and only six or seven years ago did they reopen it. And this gentleman is the first missionary back. He showed, me a little, he showed me a little drawing. He said, I heard about you, and I need you to come back with me to Myanmar. I said, I have never been. I know, but he said, I need you. I said, I said, I'll look at it. <laughs> so many requests. When I got there, this is what I found. The boys' dormitory for 100 boys. And I had a meeting with the termites. And I said to them, now here's the deal. Link arms, hold hands, keep this this puppy up. Because when I come back, I'm going to tear it down. I'm I'm coming after you, but please do me a favor. Just hang on, hang on, hang on. And I went back, ladies and gentlemen, and we went back several times. I took pastors with me who caught the vision with me, and I want you now to see the evidence. This is the evidence of what God helps to do in the country of Myanmar. A men's dormitory for 300 men. A men's dormitory for 300 men. And in the process of building all of this, it was, never part of, it was never part of the original plan. But in the process, the women's dorm was almost as bad as the men's dorm. You take a quick look at it. The women's dorm, there it is. It's another pile of junk. But, but, but I, had a, I had a dear pastor in, in Washington, D.C., who gave me $125,000 cash, don't get any ideas, $125,000 cash. And with that money, this is what we built for the girls. It's an unbelievable, that's what you can do with $125,000. That's the evidence, that's the evidence, that's the evidence, that's the evidence. Now we have facilities there for 500 students. It's on a beautiful campus. And the great news is that when they kicked out the missionaries, They could not kick out the Holy Spirit. Today in the country of Myanmar, there's one million Pentecostal believers. One million Pentecostal believers for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it all springs up out of training. So we had the big dedication. That's on Friday, Saturday. I'm leaving. I'm going to Hanoi, Vietnam. They need us to help them build a Bible school in northern Vietnam. So just before we got on the plane, we stopped at the Bible school campus, and they said, uh-uh, 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 there's one more thing we need. I said, what are you talking about? They said, no, 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 we need a library, we need an administration building, we need, administ- we need, We need." I said, "I under- but where are you going to put that? They said, right here. I said, no, you can't put it there because you've got staff housing. No, we're going to tear down the staff. Ankle. We want to put the building right here. I said, yeah, but where are you going to put the staff? And before we left on the way to the airport with the builder, we designed six staff housings, six, six, it's not easy to say, six <laughs> staff houses in a row, boom, 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 and each one will cost, no, 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 let me tell you what each one going to have. It's going to have two bedrooms, living room, dining room, kitchen, bathroom, and will cost $10,000. It's unbelievable what we are able to do in this steel and concrete building that we can do in the country of Myanmar. These people live simple lives, no, they won't have Beds is we have beds. They won't worry about whether the back comes up or you can push a button and it floats. And and you have Mr. Pillow with all of his pillows. No, don't worry. They sleep on the floor. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Don't make it an American. They can do all of this for $10,000. And hope sprang up in my heart because I knew that I was coming to be with you. And you may want to build one of those six. Let me try it over here. You may want to build one of those six staff houses for $10,000. So I leave you this morning with the evidence in your hands. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. We have drawn the plans. They're building the buildings. I said I don't have any money. The builder said, can you get me a little bit before the end of the year? I just sent them a little bit. He said, I'll keep building if you can get me the rest next year. I said, I'm coming to be with Paul Rizdal and his people. Don't worry. We'll get you the next $10,000. I believe that God would be pleased if we could take that as an objective and see the evidence and we could walk out of here today. Maybe it won't all be today. Maybe next week, next month. But by the end of the year, we could say together, Paul, we believe God that God has given to us the evidence to help put a staff member in one of those houses so we have room to continue to build on the complex there. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the children's workers this morning who are so patient. Thank you for the children. Thank you for their parents. Thank you for this church. I thank you this morning for the gift that they gave several years ago to help continue the revival that's going on in Tanzania. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this couple who've come to be their shepherd and for what I sense here this morning. And I pray that you will continue to prosper them, continue to bless them as they go into two services in several weeks and they blow out the walls of this auditorium and they enlarge their facility. And they believe God to reach this part of the great metro complex. I pray it in Jesus' name. And then I pray, Lord Jesus, that today you would help us right now to make possible just one of these staff houses in Myanmar for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to continue to teach young men and women Jesus Christ is the answer. In Jesus' name.
0: Well, we're going to ask our ushers to get ready. We're going to receive another offering this morning. And uh, if you didn't prepare to to give twice, you only brought one check with you this morning. Uh, Can we just put up the offering slide real quick? It's 2018, people. We have this thing called the Internet. And uh, you can give that way. You can even give by texting this morning. Um, You know, as Sam was sharing with me last night, he shared about what God was doing in Tanzania and about um, a bunch of pastors that had committed to starting another church this year and priority one is partnering with them and, and I you know I just talked to our my wife and, and our girls about it the other night and and I said, girls, how cool would it be if you got to sponsor a church plant in Tanzania? And he's promised a number of pastors fifty dollars to get started. Fifty dollars is hundred thousand shilling in Tanzania and it can be five month salary for these pastors. Can make a huge difference. And, and our girls decided they wanted to help, you know, partner and, and be a part of that. And, I mean, $50 is, is nothing, right? And, you know, I, the other night I got, I referee soccer. I got assigned a couple of soccer games. I get $75 per game for doing a high school soccer game. And, and I got two games that I didn't expect. And, and you know, there's $150 that can go towards this, this building housing these staff members and training leaders in, in one of the greatest movements that, that the world has ever seen as God is impacting this country that was closed to the gospel just a few years ago you know I believe in, in what we 're doing and you know I believe that if we as, as church people that if we 're faithful with, with what God has given us that he's going to take it and use it and that we're going to get to be a part of uh, that reward. Just as we take this offering, I just want to share one more quick story. And then we're going to get out of here. When I was in Tanzania a couple of years ago with Sam, we were walking around, um, and uh, we walked into one of these houses that were being built. And he said, "You know, it, it's going to Paul. It's going to cost about five thousand dollars to furnish this house. And this was for the doctor that was going to um, be a part of the the medical center here in Tanzania. Would you? Would your church consider doing that?" And knowing the story of, of how Pastor Tyler had made the commitment and uh, we sponsored $10,000, we actually, the board made the decision, they pulled that money out of the savings because they, they wanted to honor that commitment and how God was faithful through that process. You can ask David Grimes about how, how God honored that later. Um, and so I was a little bit nervous. I said yes, because I, I knew that was what we were supposed to do. I came back and, and, you know, said, guys, I... I, I said we're going to commit $5,000 to this project. You know, we need to do this. This is something that, that God's put on my heart. And uh I I called Sam a couple weeks later. I said, "You know, Sam, I tried to raise the money. Uh we didn't raise $5,000. We raised $11,000 in <laughs> one Sunday. And and including that initial commitment to Tanzania and and two more years of commitments to priority one this church has partnered for over $35,000 because we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ we believe what he's doing around the world and so I want to make a commitment today and I want to invest in that and I hope you can too